Good morning, church. I had a little frog in my throat this morning, so I apologize for that. The enemy always comes up with something when he doesn't want the word to go forth. He's always got some kind of a plan. So at this point, I usually tell a joke to start out with, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, Since we just had this serious situation that we prayed for. And we're going to talk about the fundamentals of faith today. Um, In my travels and in my own experience, I've seen plenty of faith failures where people believe for things um, and they know they're believing, but it just doesn't happen. And so we're going to, out of my frustration, I've studied quite a bit about this. And because um, you can't please God without faith. So we're going to look at some scriptures in the beginning here that you are probably very familiar with that will lay out God's goal for us. And then we're going to look at um, what the problem is, why people are having these faith failures. And this, this is what he told me when we get to that point. And I had no clue. So I'm just going to pass it on to you this morning. All I can do is give you what he gave me. Amen? So let's just pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a good God, as we said before. And we just give you all glory and praise and honor. Without you, we have no hope. Lord, we thank you for sending your Son that we might have everlasting life. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to inspire the Word of God. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come now and to minister life to us from that Word of God that we might better understand the fundamentals of faith and how it all works. Lord, though your word says that we perish for lack of knowledge, to inspire us today through the word that you inspired, Holy Spirit. And we'll just be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got quite a bit of scripture to look at, so um, we want to start. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Every Christian has faith. Amen? Can I get a witness? Every Christian has faith. God gave us a measure of faith. It tells us that right here in verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We can't think too highly of ourselves because it's not us. We are supposed to live by faith. The redeemed are supposed to live by faith. And God gave us a measure, a limited portion, that means a degree of his faith. Let that sink in. 
He can't give us anything he don't have. So when he gave us a degree of faith or a measure of faith, he gave us a degree and measure of his own faith. So God's faith resides in you. You've been given a degree of that. Now you and I have to steward that faith. God wants us to um, build it and be strong in our faith. Then in Hebrews chapter 6, chapter 11, excuse me, verse 6, says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he tells us that we can't please him without faith. And because God is so gracious, then he gave us a measure of his faith. (laughs) So we could please him. What pleases him? It pleases him to bless you and I. And he wants to reward us by answering our prayers of faith. That's what this scripture is saying. He wants to reward you for your prayer of faith. And so he gave us some faith to get started with. And some of you maybe way, have way more faith than I do. You know, we're, we're all in this process somewhere. It says, without that faith, it's impossible to please him. So he graciously just gave us some of his faith. That's how we got saved. Now we have to steward it and we use it for everything. We can get anything we need, we can get by faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. You've heard me say that before. It's, you know, what moves God. Ephesians chapter 3 says this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us what is that power that works in us the word to describe it there is dudamus very familiar word in Christendom. It's a miracle force, mighty power. That power within you is the force of faith. Faith is a lot of things. One thing it is, it's a force. Not that we twist God's arm to make him move, but that's the way he designed it. You pray a prayer of faith, and he answers it. You pray a, pray a prayer that has no faith, and you won't get an answer. It's not rocket science. Faith is what God responds to. If he responded to needs, there would be no hungry people in Africa or anywhere in the world. He has very much compassion and love for people and for their needs, but he responds to faith. That's the way he designed it. It's the currency of the kingdom. As I said, you can get anything uh, you need 
by faith. It acquires it. <clears throat> Some years ago, um, 17, uh, let's see, maybe 14 years ago, something like that, when we were building the Bible school overseas, I was paying 12 to 15 workers from sunup to sundown for six days. And I was buying materials for the buildings. I mean, you can go through some money very quickly, amen? amen. Very quickly when you're doing all that. You've got to pay wages for, let's say, 15 people, plus buy all of the... We're building the school um, debt-free so we didn't borrow any money. So I'm depending on God for the money. So it's like Wednesday and, you know, every Saturday these guys got to get paid. And so I'm looking for some more money. I said, Lord, I need more money. And he didn't say anything. I says, God, all these people are depending on me. I need more money. He says, no, you don't, son. I says, sir. He says, you need more faith. Because if I have more faith, I can get anything I need. Amen? I can get the money then. So I concentrated on strengthening my faith. And God was very gracious, and he built that Bible school debt-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus, how many of you would agree that Jesus is our example in everything? Amen? He lived the perfect life for us, died for our sins. And so he's our example. So how did Jesus, our example, how did he use his faith? I got scripture references for all this, but I'm not going to give them to you because you're familiar with them. I'm just going to remind you of some of the things that he used his faith for. Jesus used his faith to heal people of sickness and disease. Jesus used his faith for financial needs. To pay taxes. Remember the story he told Peter to go down and catch a fish. Take the coin out of his mouth and go pay their taxes. Jesus used his faith to feed thousands of people. Feed 5,000 people, but then there was the women and children. So conservative estimates think he fed about 10,000 people. There was no Wonder Bread truck that drove up there because there, everybody had a, was hungry. It was just Jesus' faith. All he did was pray to the Father. And as they distributed the food, there wasn't a whole bunch of food there. But when they distributed it, it multiplied. See? When you help others, when you sow into the kingdom of God, it will multiply. Jesus used his faith to calm the storm, to take authority over nature. Jesus used his faith to make wine out of water, to just meet whatever need comes along. Jesus used his faith and authority to cast out demons, to deliver people. Jesus used his faith to raise the dead. I'm thinking of Lazarus. He raised several other people from the dead. 
And people are still being raised from the dead today, but nobody puts it in the paper. Only the people that get shot get their name in the paper. Somebody gets raised from the dead, they don't pay any attention to it. So that's how Jesus used his faith. Some of the ways that Jesus used his faith. And God gave every Christian a measure or degree of his faith, as I said before. So what are we supposed to do with that? John chapter 14. 12 to 14. Jesus is speaking. He says, most assuredly, anytime he says that, it's like, listen up, guys, I want you to get this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we can see here that Jesus, as our example, expects the believer to follow his example, to be good stewards of our measure of faith, and then to go and do the same. To heal the sick, to cast out demons, you need finances, like I did for the Bible school. So that raises a question in my mind. That's God's goal, for us to take the faith that he gave us and use it in the same way that Jesus used his faith. Amen? Amen. That was a pretty weak amen. Amen, amen somebody? Amen. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to have a healing ministry or everybody's going to be this or that. But you have the faith of God within you. And you're stewarding that. And you can pray for You don't have to be a televangelist to pray for somebody and see him healed. <laughs> it happens every day. Hallelujah. So that raises a question to me. Why do so many good Christian people have faith failures? You know, I've had my share of faith failures. I'm not talking down to anybody. And, you know, everybody in here at some point in their life has either had a faith failure or you're going to have a faith failure. We don't want to confess that we're going to have one. Amen? So in contemplating that for some time, I finally got an answer. And it's found in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sets forth as a propitiation by the blood through faith, demonstrating his righteousness because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
Verse 27. Where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So many people, the reason there's faith failures is many people have not realized that faith is a law. And laws have protocol or a set of rules that govern them if they're going to work properly. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So, if those rules aren't obeyed, if you have faith and you're praying and you're believing and you had a failure, you didn't, you didn't receive what you were praying for. Probably, one of those fundamental things have been overlooked, skipped, missed, or you just didn't know about it. So we're going to look at what they are here in a minute. We have to realize we have to know these kinds of things because, um, you know, we have a, there's a full-time devil out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy anything that you want to do that has to do with God. And you can't fight a full-time devil and be a part-time Christian. You have to be uh, grounded in the Word of God. And so I I really believe this is going to help some people. Hallelujah. Now, when you've had a faith failure, probably some well-meaning Christian brother or sister has told you, well, you don't have enough faith. Well, I want to put that myth to bed right now from Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, says this. And Jesus said to them, they were trying to, the disciples were trying to cast out this spirit in an epileptic person, and he couldn't cast it out. So Jesus uh, did it. And they asked him why they couldn't cast it out. He says, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So, Jesus is comparing our faith to a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds. It's very small. But the principle of the mustard seed parable is that it grows into this large tree that shades the animals and the birds stay, stay in it and so on and so forth. So the principle is growth. Even though it begins small, um, it grows into a large tree. But Jesus said, even if you have faith like a mustard seed, in other words, very small faith, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, Move from here to there, and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible. So that tells me that even small faith will do big things. 
if the rules that govern the law of faith are followed. Even small faith. You don't have to have a warehouse full of it. How much faith did you have when you received Jesus? Probably just a little bit. Just enough to get you saved. Hallelujah. So let that sink in. Even small faith can do big things. So let's look at this protocol of the laws of faith, um, the process that governs the law of faith. And there's, you know, there may be more things. I'm not, I'm just giving you what he's given me. When I was trying to answer this question, why are there so many faith failures? The first one is found in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. James 1, verses 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven, tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So you have to get rid of any kind of doubt in your heart. Now, you can have a doubtful thought in your head and still receive from God. But if you entertain that doubtful thought in your head and it gets in your heart, then you're in trouble. That will hinder your receiving. So just because you have a doubtful thought in your head, just take that thing captive and cast it out. Don't entertain it and let it get in your heart. This is talking about the heart. God always deals with the heart. So before you pray a prayer of faith, you want to make sure that you've got rid of all the doubt in your heart. Amen. Amen. That's number one. I remember when we have a P.O. box for our ministry in Hillsboro, and... Every time I'd go in there when we were building a Bible school, I'd be thanking God all the way up there and all the way in and open a P.O. box that I had the need met for that week or that month. And then thanking God all the way home, even if there wasn't anything in there. Faith doesn't go by what it sees. I was in there one time, there was nothing in there. And I just kept thanking God and praising God. I went back the next day, there was a check for $32,000 in a P.O. box. You have to do things God's way if you want God's results. So that's number one. Get rid of all doubt in your heart. You do that by meditating on the Word. Number two is found in, also in Romans. In Rome, uh, this is in Romans 10, 8 to 10. This is a scripture used in evangelism all the time. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice it's in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, 
and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, you believe in your heart unto righteousness. That puts you in right standing with God. Hallelujah. But then you have to make a confession because that releases your faith. When you make a faith confession out of your heart, that releases your faith. Just like when a bow hunter hits his release, releases that arrow. He'll never hit the target unless, he, unless you release it. You've got to do the same thing with your faith. It'll never hit the target if you don't release it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. These are fundamental. That's a fundamental principle that applies to all prayer, not just salvation. Anything you're praying... We had uh, one of my grandsons, um, his wife has trouble conceiving. They have one little boy who's going to be a preacher. And they want another child very bad, and they lost one. And so we started praying for her that she would conceive this year. And we started making proclamations, proclaimed and declared that she would conceive this year and bring forth a healthy child. And I can report to you today that she's eight weeks pregnant. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, you know, faith works. Uh, The first thing people do when they have a faith failure is they blame God for it. It's not his fault if you don't do... Um, follow the rules that govern it that make it, that allow it to work. So that was number two. You believe in your heart and you make a confession with your mouth. Number three is found in uh, Mark 11. We'll spend more time there a little later. Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say to you, what Jesus is speaking here. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now this, in my opinion, is probably the most common mistake that people make. Look at what it says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe you receive them. That is present tense. That means you believe you receive it right now. Not that it's going to happen, but you believe you have it right now. Okay? And you will have them. That's future tense. So you have to believe you receive it right away when you pray. That's what faith, it believes. The unseen. And then you will have it in the future. But most people pray and they believe they're, go- they're going to receive in the future. See? That dog won't hunt. You've got to believe you receive it now. Then you will have it in the future. It's present tense. You receive it. You believe you receive it now. There's somebody out there in... Uh, um, Streaming land, you've got ringing in your ears. Um, God wants to heal that. 
Just receive your healing, whoever you are. Just claim it. Confess it. Release your faith for it. And we just join you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, whoever that is, just um, fix that ringing in their ears. Lord, we join our faith with theirs in the name of Jesus. So I think that's the most common mistake that people make. They pray and they are believing, but they're believing it's going to happen. You have to believe you have it now. Then it will happen in the future. You have to do it exactly the way God designed it. So that was number three. Number four. I go back to Romans again. Romans chapter 4, 19 to 21. And not being weak, this is talking about Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. As time went on, this was quite a while, he was strengthened in faith, even though he couldn't see anything. And being fully convinced, that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to perform. So number four, faith just believes God in the face of impossible odds. <laughs> I mean, these were impossible odds. But faith just believes God anyway. Um, number five is found in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, 14 to 22. <clears throat> what does this profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you do not uh, give them anything which was needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And that says faith was made perfect. It means it was made complete. So faith will have some fruit. There'll be some corresponding works to it. Um, when it says faith is made perfected, that means that it's made complete, accomplished, consummated, finished, working together with the works, cooperating together with that. That's number five. I'll go over all these quickly at the end if you miss anything. 
for those of you that take notes. Now we go back to Mark 11. And we'll spend some time there. Mark 11, 12 to 14. This is the fig tree account. And uh, God has given me a revelation in this area. I'm going to share it with you. And Anyway, verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar off a fig tree, having leaves, he went to see if perhaps it would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, it says here, it wasn't the season for figs. So why would Jesus think he could go over there and find figs if it's not the season. You don't look for apples on an apple tree in the middle of the winter. Well, there's a couple varieties of fig trees. One of them, the fruit forms before the leaves come out. Another variety that I know of, the fruit forms as the leaves are coming out together with them. And so when he saw the leaves there, he assumed there would be some fruit even though it wasn't the season. Okay. Now, I believe there's a deeper meaning here in a fig tree. The fig tree was used as a designation of Israel. You don't have to believe this. This is what I believe the Lord showed me. I can't prove this from Scripture. The fig tree was used as a designation for Israel. Israel had a, quite a religious system and a heritage, a heritage that appeared to hold promise. Just like the fig tree with the leaves on it appeared to hold promise that there would be a fig on there. Amen? But there wasn't. So when Jesus cursed the tree, he was showing the judgment coming to Israel. Because Israel was professing righteousness. And it maintained an external form of godliness. Yet all Israel rejected the Son of God just rejected him. So when I asked him about why would he look for figs when it's not the season, this is the, what I got for an answer. What I presumed him saying. Like I say, I can't prove that by any scripture, so you, you do with that whatever you want to. So let's go on, Mark eleven twenty to 24. Go down to verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That's important right there. 
And Peter remembered, saying to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, it goes on, um, have faith in God or the faith of God. For surely I say to you, (coughs) excuse me, whoever sits to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So, faith works. Notice this. That faith worked at the root. It withered from the root. So faith works in the unseen realm before you see a manifestation in the natural realm. And that's where we have faith failures. It might be two weeks and I haven't seen anything. And you just give up. It might be the 10th round with five seconds to go when you throw in the towel. You know, you might have just had your answer in a few minutes. Faith works at the root, at the unseen, before it's in the manifestation. So if we meditate on the word and get strong faith in our hearts, then we can speak out boldly like Jesus did at the fig tree. Faith that speaks is first faith that seeks. Faith that speaks boldly like Jesus did is first faith that seeks. In other words, you've spent time with the Lord on this particular thing that you're praying for. Faith is a gift from God. You can't make it. You can only increase it. Faith only flows from us to him because of his faithfulness that flows from him to us. He was faithful to give us a measure or we wouldn't have anything to get anything from the unseen realm. Everything we need is in the spirit realm. And when we pray a prayer of faith, it acquires it from there into our natural realm. God's got all the money to build as many Bible schools as you want to build. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns all the hills as well. Faith is not some kind of biblical trick you know you've heard people this name it and claim it crowd they name something and I'm going to have a new car by this time next month you know they haven't and God can give you a new car if you want to believe for one but just going around spouting something like that the name it and claim it bunch and then there's the blab it and grab it crowd you just blab it and I got it, you know, with no, nothing to stand on. <clears throat> so those things are not biblical, just going around spouting stuff. It has to be based on the Word of God. 
<clears throat> Faith is a spoken expression that springs from the convictions of our heart. You know, we, we confess what we believe in our heart. If it's not in your heart and you're confessing it, even though you're saying words of faith and it's not in your heart, it's not going to happen. Head faith won't get the job done. So it's not an aim it and claim it game or some kind of blab it and grab it thing. We have to be careful though. There is an however. Now those that name it and claim it and blab it and blab it type of thing, they use this scripture to justify that. That's not what it's saying. So if you've got faith in your heart, if you've taken time to put faith in your heart, that's what God deals with. So here's the however. The fact that the faith in our hearts is to be spoken, thereby being actively released toward a specific result, is clearly taught here by Jesus himself. The fact that the faith in our hearts is to be spoken thereby being actively released toward a specific result as clearly taught here by Jesus himself. Anything that lines up with God's will and purpose, you will receive it. Hallelujah. See, it always works in this unseen realm like that and dried up from the root. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Thus, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you can't see the evidence, but your faith is the evidence of things not seen. If you believe it in your heart, you own the title deed to that. Those of you that own your own house or have own your own automobile, you have the title deed to that. Faith in your heart is the title deed to the answer to your prayer. He never looks at your head. He always goes right to the heart. That's what he deals with. Praise the Lord. So the positive lesson from the fig tree account is the incredible power of a believer's prayer of faith when authoritatively spoken in line with God's will and purpose. Don't ever think your prayer's aren't heard and that they're not powerful. Incredible power of a believer's prayer of faith. We saw Jesus demonstrate that in the fig tree. When authoritatively spoken in line with God's will and purpose. That's a very, very powerful thing. Hallelujah. And I got one more here. If we go down to, go back to Mark again. Mark 11, verse 25. And then when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. 
So we must walk in forgiveness if we want our prayers of faith to be answered. Unforgiveness will hinder uh, your relationship with God, your answer to prayer. Uh, It's very important to walk in repentance and forgiveness. Hallelujah. So those are the things that he showed me about um, the things that govern the law of faith. These things have to be followed um, for our faith to work properly. It's not some kind of formula. It's just he made the law and this is what governs them so it'll work. And so we just need to do those things. So let me review just quickly and we'll close. Number one, no doubt in your heart, take time to feed your faith. It feeds on the word of God. So there's no doubt in your heart. Number two, now you believe in your heart unto righteousness and you confess with your mouth, releases your faith. (coughs) Excuse me. Number three, believe you receive when you pray. Not that it's going to happen. Believe you receive it now. For me, I just believe I receive it. And then if I pray about it the next day, I'm thanking God for it. I'm not asking for it again. I'm thanking him for it until I see the manifestation of it. Number four, Believe when there's no evidence. Um, There's nothing to see in the natural. Faith is your evidence. The evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. Faith creates works. There'll be some kind of fruit of your faith. And works perfect your faith. They complete it for everybody to see. Number six. Faith always works at the root in the unseen first and then in the natural. So don't get discouraged when you pray for two weeks and you don't see something. You know, I've been praying a prayer for um, 60 years, still haven't seen the answer to it. Am I going to stop believing and stop praying? No. It's for another person. So there could be things involved that I don't know about. I don't know. So faith, faith is hindered by unforgiveness. Amen. Unforgiveness will do a lot of damage for you. Amen. I hope that helps some of you. Uh, It helped me to know why there's so many faith failures that I see around the country. And I've had more than my share in my life as well, especially as an early Christian. (laughs)